morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Thursday, May 6th, and we are still in the blessed Easter season. And in this resurrection hope we are where we are surrounded by the Alleluias, we study the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles, the resurrected Lord goggles, in 1 Kings chapter 9. The Lord comes to Solomon a second time and reminds him of his promise to establish his royal throne as promised to David. But don't turn aside. Don't abandon the Lord, he says, and live according to his commands and statutes or else. Sounds kind of scary. Stick around as we dig in and find out more of what this means for us. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. As we are here today, we are. Uh, I want to encourage our listeners to download the KFUO app on your on your iPhones. Uh, download this app as you will be able to uh, use it on your phone, listen to everything, listen to the radio, enjoy the features. Even there is a portion where you have an open mic if you want to tell us about what you enjoy about KFUO, maybe even some questions. I'm not 100% sure, but check it out and you can share what you wish. Once again, go to your application uh, app store on your phone and look for KFUO Radio. But today, as we are in God's Word, helping us to be strengthened by our Lord's Word, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Pastor Dieterding, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Yeah, it's good to be back and uh, looking forward to our discussion today on uh, King Solomon and uh, what happens here uh, in his relationship with with God and uh, you you'd already alluded to some of what we're going to be looking at as far as um, really what God is 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 is, is uh, saying to Solomon is, is really in the form of a of a warning almost you know so it'll be interesting <laughs> yes, as we exactly. as we kind of look at I know I know you look at like what it is, it is like a warning though because I mean you know King Solomon, uh, if you were in the chapter before this yesterday, I'm sure you were mm-hmm. in chapter 8, um, you know, it's interesting that his prayer is very similar to what God is saying he needs to continue to do. So uh, right. it's going to be interesting to, to have this discussion. So, And that Solomon was actually calling upon the Lord to give him the strength to do it. So it's, yeah, it's very interesting. These are really that, that, tied together. It really is. And that's why I think in chapter eight, Solomon's prayer should be our prayer. I, you know, I I would say that I've kind of jumped over that prayer many times in first Kings when I've read through it or, um, you know, it's not on the lectionary by any means. And so it's something that's quite powerful for us to realize that part of our sanctified life is praying, oh, Lord, help me to do these things that you've called me to do. And then 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 it turns to the Lord and he's like, do this or else. And you're like, oh, boy, I need some help. (laughs) <laughs> so it definitely is a, a a wonderful text to dig into. But Pastor Dietering, I wanna I wanted to ask this because one one of the beautiful things about uh, uh, 
being in a church body that's been around since 1847 is that there's a lot of connections. You and I have made a connection to Fergus Falls, used to serve here in the great state of Minnesota, um, which right now, by the way, this is a time of year to be in Minnesota. I mean, uh, when we first started talking in January, not so much, but now it's a great place to be. Um, but the second thing is that there's a lot of, uh, you know, relationships and family and everything. And we had recently, well, this is back in the book of Colossians, Pastor Paul Dieterding, Dr. Dieterding. And I guess there is a relationship there. Oh, yes. Uh, we're distant cousins. We've uh, we've run into each other along the way here and there. We actually um, attended. He was in the junior college at St. Paul, uh, St. Paul Junior College there in Concordia, Missouri, when I was in the high school. I was just starting the high school. And he oh. was, uh, I think, in his first or second year of college at that same place. And uh, so we we you know we saw each other there a little bit we didn't grow up in the same park in the same neck of the gotcha. woods so we didn't really know each other very well um and then later on uh he was connected uh to uh, Dr. Charlemagne who actually was his doctorate supervisor and right. he was still at the seminary then just as I was just preparing to come in so we kind of missed each other there but anytime i need to know how people are related on his side of the family i give him a call and generally when i call him he goes Okay, who do you need to know now? Because we we are always uh, talking about how how we're, how different people, uh, different Dieterdings that we know are related to us. So. Absolutely. And that's one of the great joys. I've not only um, are you related by name, but there is such a joy to know you're related by faith. I mean, one of the problems that I would have if Dr. Dieterding was my cousin is you'd always you always be like, well, why can't you do Greek as well as him? I think one of the things I would struggle with. Have you ever had that? Uh, yes. <laughs> Anyways. I'd like oh, to do that's a lot, lot of fun. things as well as him, including exactly. golf. I mean, he was quite the golfer all his life, too, and, and uh, oh. he was very good. And oh, I, that's not I good. can't golf for nothing. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, as we as we look at that, it's a reminder that we're connected with all these people around the world, and what we're connected with is God's word this morning. So, um, Pastor Dieterding, can you help? Can you begin our time in prayer? Absolutely, Lord God of all. We know that indeed you are the giver of all good things, including the the life in which you have given to each and every one of us. Uh, including the lives of those who came well before we uh, have entered this earth. And that uh, is the life of uh, King Solomon and those who lived in his day, uh, King David, all the the great patriarchs of the Old Testament that you used in ways to uh, teach us even still today uh, something of our relationship with you, how you would like for us to live in that relationship and how you are still a a gracious God and how you have shown that grace in the one who has come as Messiah, as Christ, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask that you be with us by the power of your Holy Spirit this day. Guide us and lead us that we might continue to grow in the understanding of the history that has formed and shaped our lives Uh, bringing us that Savior, that we might now go and bring that same word to shape the lives of others, uh, hopefully for an eternity. 
And this we pray, all in the one who is our Savior, Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text today, drop us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. So let's, uh, let's, let's start here. Is chapter 9, as we already alluded to, there is a unique context before. So what are some of the things you want to highlight as in the background of chapter 9 uh, that will help us out this morning? Well, you know, looking looking back at chapter eight, you know, we're looking there, and um, it looks like uh, that was the point where um, finally they they have the uh, ark is brought into the temple. Uh, Solomon blesses it, and then uh, he has this prayer of dedication. But right near the end of this chapter, uh, he has this benediction. And in the benediction, he says in verse 56, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Um, and, then he, and then he goes on in verse 57, The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. What I like there is uh, is that line where he was uh, asking that he may he incline our hearts to him. So I mean he's he's basically saying may God keep us steadfast. May he make our hearts continue to to long his commands to long for this relationship because he knows that in keeping those commands uh, that it's pleasing to the Lord and that this relationship uh, between him and the Lord uh, will continue to uh, be favorable just as it was for his father David and so uh, it's interesting because the Lord uh, now when he speaks uh, uses the same verbiage in in a lot of ways that Solomon yes. was using because they are familiar with this relationship and that's what this is based on so it's it's it, well, first of all my first thought as you say that is number one that I need to do that better I need to ask the Lord to incline my heart back to him especially this past year and a few months is that um I needed to pray, Lord, incline my uh, my heart back to you so I can trust you as we go through what we're going through right now. Um, and then and then later on, he basically says, I'll be with you. I mean, that's what he's saying today, right, is I'm going to be with you through this whole thing. So yeah, what we ask is how he answers. Um, but there's also that reality of brokenness. Other other thoughts you have on these verses I mean, the any background? Well, I, it, it's been, you know, up, up to this point, you know, we've seen a very, I think, a very faithful, a very righteous, a very strong Solomon. And mm-hmm. um, things are now to a point where, you know, the temple is built, you know, uh, the things that he wanted to build are, are now coming to fruition. And, it, and, and, we, and we're going to start to sense a change already in the life of Solomon, I, I believe, as we go uh, through this, uh, just a little bit, just a slight change. Maybe we'll see if we can pick up on it um, as we move ahead towards chapter 10 and 11, because uh, it's an interesting uh, turn of events that will happen in the future, as, as, as anyone who has read this uh, particular book uh, will know. 
Absolutely. And we don't want to let the cat out of the bag, as we would say, but it is it is something to to keep in mind that later on in 10 and 11, things change as well. So let's let's open up our Bibles. I invite our listeners to open their scriptures as we hear the word of God and the Holy Spirit is at work and the gifts are ready. Reminder to our listeners that we are reading from the English Standard Version. We'll begin just with the first two verses of First Kings chapter 9. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. So that's just some context. So everything, um, it appears, has been completed. And mm-hmm. what are some of your other thoughts when the Lord appears to him? Um, you know, that it, it's another, it's, this is a, this is really like a chapter that's closing at this point, but there's a new mm-hmm. one that's coming as well. And uh, it's going to be pretty significant actually. And the Lord appears to him a second time, uh, here at Gibeon. Um, really, I, I think in response, at least as I was reading, you know, just a chapter or two ahead and behind, um, in response to the fact that, uh, he has lifted up prayers. He's lifted up, uh, you know, words of dedication, words of blessing, benediction. Um, he's worshipped the Lord, and he's showing that he's still very faithful to the task of all that the Lord has blessed him with, uh, giving thanks for that. And now the Lord is going to respond, and he's this is setting this up for his response. Yeah, and he visits him the first time in Gibeon, as you said. And that's when he mm-hmm. says, what do you want from me, basically? <laughs> Which I just wonder, if if God came to me and said that, what would I say? I would love to think I would say wisdom, but I, what would be the first thing in my heart? I'm not sure, and I hope I, um, I, hope I would say the right, right words as you pray the Holy Spirit. But anyway, so this is a second time, and I was trying to read if there's any significance to this besides that we have a God who can, continually comes back to us. I, that was one thing I read, and I don't know if there's any other significance to this, that he came a second time. Did you find anything on that? I did not look into the into the significance yeah. of the second time. I, I don't recall. Is, have you, have you, is there something that you're thinking about in no. particular? Yourself? No, I don't. I, I'm looking for the great wisdom from a Dieterding on this one. Um, <laughs> the great wisdom so, is, no. I never really pursued that. <laughs> I guess it didn't catch no. my eyes. As much but, as it did you, and I and I do get that now. Now you got me curious. Yeah, I know exactly. Now we're wondering. So, if anybody out there who's listening, and I have this <laughs> quite a bit, is that some of our listeners will do the research on this because we all are going to miss something. So, if any of our listeners have found any deep insights into a second time that he came to visit him, um, but we do. Here's here's how I would take it: is is a bare bones is the reality that we have a God who doesn't um, stay far away. I mean, what he prayed for is Lord be near us. And and he proves it again, that he's going to be near his people. He's going to lead them through the desert. He's going to come to them in a, in a burning bush. He comes to them continuously, obviously a sacramental understanding of what our Lord does. He comes to us physically um, and not does not leave us in the, I guess you say, lurch. So that that's, that's what I saw. But, you know, I figured I would ask. Anything else on those first two verses, Pastor? No, I just you know, and another thing too. I mean, he's just he had just sacrificed to the Lord as well. I mean, he he did ah, really all mm-hmm. the things that needed to be done in response to what the God what God had blessed him with as far as the building of all of these uh, wonderful things that, that Solomon built 
and uh, and now God's going to respond to all that. And I think it's the it's time. It's part of the timing. That's that's the only way I've you know that's the only reason I've seen it that way. Not sure if there's any more significance than that uh, to the second time. Other than like I said, he's he's now he, the Lord already knows in advance what's coming. So um, yeah, I, I believe that he's making a uh, a very deliberate appearance here to Solomon. Uh, to uh, to talk about the importance of, of walking with him and his will and being steadfast and faithful to him. Very good. So let's continue on verses three through five, three through five. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart, I will be there for all time. As for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. So, First of all, he tells them, I've heard your I've heard your plea. So another reminder that our Lord hears our prayers um, and he hears this. He has compassion on his people and he tells them, um, if you walk before me, then you will have a guy on the throne. One of the questions I have uh, for this, you know what? Actually, I'm going to start here. Pastor, what are some of your insights on these verses first? Well, I'm looking at this and, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting that he says, I'm going to put my name on this what you have built here forever. And of course, wow. we know that um, this t- temple does not stand forever. We know that. We know that that's destroyed by the Babylonians later on. But um, what he's tr- trying to say, you know, you know, what what is he talking about when he's talking about this house that you have built by putting my name here forever? I've always found that really intriguing. Um, but he's talking about response to this prayer and this plea in the immediate time here, uh, letting him know that, and now he's going to tell him, and this is, this is my expectation. This is what, um, uh, that this is what I would, uh, this is our relationship. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. You know, there mm-hmm. it is. It's, it's got that forever sense to it yet. Um, and then that's what God's promise is. And now he's asking Solomon, um, I want you to promise this, that you'll walk before me as your as your father David walked, you know, and have the integrity in your heart and uprightness and so forth. And um, and so he said, you know, if this is if this relationship goes this direction, then I will also establish a royal throne over Israel. Now, it's not going to what's interesting is this, he's not saying it's dependent upon him keeping it, but. Um, he, he's saying that he will establish this royal throne over Israel forever. Again, there's that forever word again. Mm-hmm. And so there's something else going on here besides the physical temple, the physical throne. There's more to what's going on here because we know the rest of the story, of course, right? So um, yeah. that you shall not lack a man on the throne. We know that there's going to have to be a succession going all the way uh, to the time of Jesus that uh, that promised to be kept of that seed. Uh, that he promises a savior and messiah. So, and that's it's exactly right. Is there's a bigger meaning to this than just this building will never be destroyed? Because clearly it does. I mean, you have that one, and then the next one gets destroyed as well. And so it clearly is not this building's going to stay 
up there, which is probably the understanding, which is why the Babylonian captivity had to have been so traumatizing for people because they're like, wait, I thought this was going to be here forever. And it's not. Um, But clearly, as you said so well, it points us to Christ who says he is the temple that will be destroyed and built up in three days. So you can't help but look at this and not see Jesus because there is the temple. There is the one that, that dwelt among us like a tabernacle, um, so forth. So it, it, it definitely shows the, uh, when Jesus is standing before Pilate and says, my kingdom is not of this world uh, type of language as well. Um, my question for you, Pastor, and this is a pastoral question that I want your input is when my my congregation, uh, I shouldn't say my congregation, the congregation I serve, uh, we read through the life of David. And we did Bible studies on that during um, the last few months. And one of the things that really struck me about David is that David, yep, lineage came from David. And he was a faithful man. Uh, He repented when he sinned. But I don't know, when I read more about David, that he was a man who was upright, (laughs) And kept my statutes and rules all the time. And how would you, when a congregation member asks you, well, wait a second here, David wasn't perfect. What is the Lord saying that he was upright in heart and kept my statutes? Because it doesn't seem like he always did, or a lot of times he didn't. So how would you answer that question for people? Well, you know, you actually you actually started answering that question, question in that question, because you, you talked about forgiveness. <laughs> You know, right. when you when you talk about forgiveness, um, that's how powerful forgiveness is. You know, as far as the East is from the West, I'll remember your sin no more. And he's talking about the times that David was faithful to him. Uh, that's that definitely prevalent that people can, can, can see. There were many times that we can point out that David was, in, in fact, faithful, but none of that's on his own doing. Uh, even, even the evil and the sin that he committed in his lifetime, um, it was wiped away uh, through the forgiveness of God. Um, not forgotten in our minds, <laughs> but, yeah, but right. it was wiped away to the point that God could actually announce that uh, David uh, still um, was upright because God made him that way. God is the one who shaped and formed him and uh, and uh, caused that good to happen uh, when it did in David's life. So really, trying to rehash what you're saying is he was upright because of faith that received the forgiveness of sins. That's what made him upright in keeping the statues because it was done in faith and the the sins that we commit, he committed, um, were basically covered by the blood of the lamb. That's kind of how we would describe that. Right, which this would make a great connecting point to Hebrews chapter 11, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, there, there are people there that were mentioned that have sinned, and we know their sin as well, but it's by faith they were made righteous, and that that God is the one who does that uh, that work. And uh, but, but when he's referring to the works that David did that were upright and righteous and so forth, uh, we know that that's the good that, that we can see in David's life that he's referring to there as well. Um, Solomon would have known that as well. Absolutely. Now, that's very helpful. I think that's an important distinction because we can start segmenting and looking at people's lives and say, well, clearly they're not people of faith. Um, and, And there's times where we have to address each other because they're not living according to the faith. 
But that does not mean that we cannot have repentance and forgiveness of sins. And then we're able to say that we are right with God and that we follow his way. So it's it's that I want to feel like it's that back and forth of the Christian faith. That's very, very important for us to see, as Luther said, to put on your Christ goggles as we read um, the Old Testament Mm. and all of Scripture. So any last things uh, from three through five? Um, I think, you know, just still kind of staying with this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I look at you, could I describe you as upright and righteous? Could I <laughs> describe you as one who is faithful? Well, okay. Yeah, now, no, now see, you're, when, it, when it comes in on I'm ourselves the one. even, I mean, we're like, wow, I just, I don't see myself like that. But right. if, so. like you just said, you put on the goggles, you know, those, those Christ goggles. Um, is that how God sees us? Right. Right. That's how God Those sees us. Yeah. Yes, how yes, God really. is. I know. This is, this is the tension that's there. That's what I'm Absolutely. trying to show. And, and uh, yeah, obviously, all of us that read that the first time, you know, we haven't seen this in a while. We see that. We go, well, wait a minute. David was a scoundrel at times. It's like, right. it's, isn't it strange how we remember, you know, the, 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 uh, the sin and we cling and, and and hold on to that. And God, when he forgives, he forgives completely uh, to the point that uh, the uprightness that we see in David's life, the, the righteousness that we see in his, that when he's able to actually keep the rules and statutes is all God's work uh, in his life. Yeah, how easy is it to us to look at David and say, he didn't live that great faithful life. And then someone asked you, well, could people see it in your life? And then you're like, like I was kind of speechless. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, of course, first of all, I'm used to asking you the questions. All of a sudden, I had to answer questions. What's going oh, on? Sorry. Here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I apologize. <laughs> Anyways, I think what I want to do here is I want to take our break now. So as we look at this text, I want us to make sure we rehash what happens one through five, and then we get to our next portion and to get to that very thoroughly. So right now we're going to take our break. We are studying First Kings chapter nine with Pastor Dieterding, and we'll be right back. Jonah has been translated into more than 700 languages and retold countless times. The whole story only takes about 12 minutes to tell. And if you listen to it with an open heart and an open mind, it'll do something to you. It'll help you take yourself a little less seriously, and God more so. Dr. Michael Ziegler, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. creation is the result of a fluke and accident is ridiculous. A hundred thousand monkeys typing on a hundred thousand typewriters, even after a million years, would never produce the works of William Shakespeare. But they might produce several episodes of Wrestling with the Basics Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. On air or on demand. A click away 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. In 1924, by the grace of God, 
KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis at 8.15 and Hope Lutheran Church in St. Anne at 10.45, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 9.30. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. Welcome back. We are studying 1 Kings chapter 9 with Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. As we've gone through the first five verses, I wanted to end there because right now it's God appears to Solomon. He gives him the promise, I've heard your prayers. I'm, I'm, I'm all this. Make sure you are upright in heart. He goes through all these details. And then verse 6 is a transition. So right now I'm feeling this great amount of gift that the Lord's given him. He's saying, I'm here for you. Um, This is how I want you to live. Live according to my statutes as David did. It feels like if we ended right here, um, wow, what a gift. So any, any, before we get to the next point, because it's a turning point, any last thoughts, Pastor? No, I think that's, uh, I think that's well said. I think we're ready to go into this, this next section and then, uh, then right. I, yeah, then I'll definitely comment on it. Then we'll have something more to say. Yeah. So now yes, it gets to right. verses six and seven, six and seven. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children and do not keep my commandments and my statues that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them and the house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight and Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. So now you have a if and then scenario. So what's the if then scenario here? Yeah, this is what I was referring to at the beginning (laughs) of, of our Bible here was that there's there's a warning now <laughs> this turns into what sounds like a warning you know okay everything's hunky-dory and our relationship is good right now but if it doesn't go well as we go and it's 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 interesting and i guess i you know i i didn't read the entire front of this all the way up to this point but i'm not sure if this is the first time that the lord has said something of this nature uh, mm. To Solomon through this whole process, you know, I, I I haven't studied it enough to know that, but it would be interesting as to is this the first time that the Lord? Um, it's 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 almost like the Lord is looking that like He knows what the future holds, like He needs to say this, <laughs> so right. that it, so that it's already out there. But this doesn't come as a surprise later on. That that by the way, if you if you do go against what we have as a relationship. This is what's going to happen. And uh, this is serious. I mean, Mm -hmm. you go from having God as your God to not having a God at all. You know, there's no God, because whatever God you're going to try to cling to, if if indeed you do, um, it's going to be worthless compared to this relationship that you have with me. And, and, And that's what God is really laying out here, that I'm the one who has blessed you with all that you have. I am the one who protects you. I'm the one um, who, uh, you know, loves you and cares for you and, and wants to, to be in relationship with you as your God. I want you to be my people. And now, you know, this is what's going to happen if anything goes differently. Like, oh, if you turn on me and turn away from me. 
And that's a good question. Is this the first time? Is this if then scenario? Um, I have to admit that I'm somewhat jumping around a little bit in first Kings. And so I'm having a hard time remembering (laughs) because obviously if you look at chapter 11, you have that language because it does happen. Um, But here, is this the first time? That's a good question for you, our listeners. Um, If you are digging deep right now um, uh, to look up that question, is this the first time it happens in the book of first Kings? I'm a little foggy on that one, but what we do know is he's saying it now. And he's saying, if you do not follow this, I will cut off Israel from the land, this land he had promised. And this is not, yeah, like you said, there's no, there's not a question mark in here. It's just simply, boom, this is it. I mean, it's a, you know, Mm -hmm. if then no question about it. Um, And the house that I've consecrated uh, will be uh, basically destroyed and uh, you will be nothing but a proverb and a byword. What does that mean? Nothing. I mean, proverbs are good. I mean, we have a book on it. Proverbs. What does he mean? You'll only be a proverb and a byword. It will be a negative pro- proverb. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It means it's like, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it means it's like bygones or bygones kind of idea. You know, it's just like, well, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> it's all over. Right. You know, believe me, you you won't have a name for yourself anymore because I am your name. I am your God. I'm I'm the one who makes you who you are, and uh, you'll be like just any anyone else. It, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, those who turn away from Him. So um, I know that byword actually had a specific meaning uh, in Old Testament language, and you know, be, on, be honest with you, I don't quite remember. Uh, what that was, I knew. I know it was not a good thing because it was. It was that um, you know it would be just like any other word. Uh, there's no prominence. There's no holiness anymore. Um, but I'm not sure exactly uh, what by word meant. I was even looking down in uh, some of the uh, notes uh, down below. It does say that there is a note uh, somewhere else in the scripture that you can look at. But um, yeah, I'm yes. not really sure. In Job, in Job 17, 6, and I invite our, our listeners to look at that, too, because I saw that same um, uh, footnote. But Job 17, 6, where Job continues, where is my hope, he says. And in verse 17, 6, he has made me a byword of the peoples, and I am one before whom men spit. So <laughs> clearly it's not a good thing. Um but it, it speaks about in the footnotes, a byword is a public disgrace, meaning it's a um, kind of like a, a shame. You've been shamed. An entire community scorns him. So that understanding that that the name of Israel will not be well known. It will not be a good word. It will be just like when we think of a last name of some people that have been disgraced. That's kind of how um, the Israelites will be remembered. That's what I found. Was that what you're looking at, too? Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's a lot stronger mm-hmm. than what I just said. That's for sure. I, I thought right. by word just as it's just going to be a passing. Well, no one's like we're going to know who you are. There's no more. You know, no one's going to care. And and it's it's right. deeper than that. It's you are a disgrace, you know, according yep. to what we're reading there. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So that is strong. These are strong words. I mean, you're cut off. Yeah. Uh, you'll be disgraced. It's uh, that's it. I mean, you're going to lose everything that God has blessed you with. Right. And, and uh, this that's is, what happens with sin. It does. Absolutely. And, and we, we experience that in this life when you have broken whatever sin that culture has said is unforgivable. And we, we kind of downplay some sins in our, in our culture, but there clearly are sins that basically make you a byword. 
you know, um, even in our culture. And I guess I'm not going to try to figure out what those are right now. But we know there are some that basically you get you're an outcast in this. And the beauty of the gospel is that even in even as a byword, meaning people will literally spit on you, um, that that there is always repentance and forgiveness of sins in Christ. And and this is where he is. I want us to be able to sit in this for a little bit to see the seriousness of what he's saying, because sin is serious, which is what makes the gospel even sweeter as we hear it. So we'll wait on that a little bit. Let's move on verses eight through nine. And he continues with even more of these words. And this house, the temple will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss. And they will say, why has the Lord done this to the land and to this house? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. So what's going to happen here? It sounds prophetic to me. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, like I said before, the Lord knows what's coming and he's already laying it out and he's laying it out in a, in a scenario, you know, uh, in a dialogue that people are having uh, with uh, with Solomon or with with uh, with that with the house of Israel, really, in this sense. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, we're we're going from thinking in terms of buildings to thinking in terms of the house being Israel, that the house uh, being the house that God built, uh, His very chosen people, and it's interesting that. Um, I really love this language, and and if you and if you can get yourself into that, your, you know your own self into this. Uh, this is really interesting too. That if you see your house as a, I'm sorry, your, your body as a house, your being as a house, a temple of God. Um, it's kind of interesting to, to look at these words and think, wow, <laughs> if if and when we do these same things, um, this is this is a warning that God gives about. Uh, those who go and follow uh, other gods, really, in their lives other than him, because he that's the very first commandment we have. That's the first part of the moral law is that the faithfulness begins with our relationship with following him and being upright and and not turning away from him at all. And, that, and every time, of course, that we sin, we are turning away. And uh, so these are some very strong words that he's laying out here uh, to uh, the king, Solomon here. And it, it, it's one of those um, situations where we have a similar situation that we have to be careful about, but I think we can use similar language when there's destruction in the world that we, mm-hmm. so a hurricane and so forth, we, I, I don't want to go too far with this, so just bear, pay, be patient with right. me as I say this, is that people will say, how could God allow this to happen or whatever it might be? Why did it do this? We, we can't. 100% say, well, that happened specifically because of a certain sin. I, I don't think we can go there biblically. Um, but we can say, I don't know, but we do know that we need to turn back to the Lord. And I think that's a, that's a, it's a broken world, a sinful world, and we don't know why, but we do know that our hearts, as, as Solomon prayed, that he would incline our hearts back to him. I think that's a fair way to be able to look at that. Any, any thoughts? Yeah, you know, because you're right. They they end there with, therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so you, I, I'm thinking what I'm hearing you say is that even in the face of modern day disasters that are natural or, or, or not so natural, even, I mean, there's, there's so much uh, killing and everything that goes on. Um, I have to say, you know, after each of these events, any of those major events that happen in our lives, truly, truly have us depending and trusting more in, in the, the, uh, the gifting and the, and the blessing of God in our lives to pull us through those times to strengthen us and help us come out stronger on the other end. And uh, all of those things um, truly uh, help us to turn, I think, more those who are in the faith anyway, turn us more back to God, uh, you know, turn him more toward him, toward him. I, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to say that, well, we weren't really faithful then before, but it just it, it it increases our trust. It increases our faith, and there are degrees of faith as we hear described in the scripture. And so, um, yeah, I I think each of these disasters that we experience, whatever the tragedies that we are that we experience in this life, is a, is a constant reminder um, that we need to continue to place our trust in God. And Absolutely. and the, the same would ha- happen for them as well. Those who it, uh, uh, become faithless and turn away from him. I did get an email concerning has this been this if then um, scenario been presented before, and there is one reference in First Kings chapter three. It doesn't quite have the same language, but it does says that if you walk my ways, this is First Kings three verse fourteen, which is the same time the Lord appeared to him the first time in Gibeon. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. It doesn't quite have that same, if you don't, though, (laughs) you will be destroyed. It doesn't say that, but it does say, if you keep my ways, I will lengthen um, your days. So it's uh, it's definitely in there, yeah. Right, that's different in that sense, what you just said. You know, there, (laughs) there God is saying, well, if you do keep him, this is the this is the great blessing that's going to come. In this particular case, it's saying if you don't keep them, this is what you're. This is what's going to befall you. You know, so very good. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. yeah, it's still a little it's still a little <laughs> different. He's still talking blessing there, even in, in that in that uh, passage there too. But yeah, Absolutely. keep looking. <laughs> if there's that's anything right. in there, I'd like yep. to know because this is keep quite looking. this is quite a major turn. This is a movement that's different probably than what's happened up to this point because everything's been good. And I think this is a, this is a great opportunity for you to call old cousin Paul. And and he says, what do you want to know about family? You could it's not about family. It was about the Bible. Let me ask you a biblical question. No, anyways, let's keep moving on here. Verses 10 through 14 at the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the King's house, And Hiram, king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress timber and gold, as much as he desired. King Solomon gave to Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the cities that Solomon had given him, they did not please him. Therefore he said, What kind of cities are these that you have given me, my brother? So they called the land of Cabal to this day. Hiram had sent to king 120 talents of gold. Now, I want to say this now is that uh, they called this land, these 20 cities called Kabul or Kabul. Um, and that is a kind of a symbol for unproductive land. 
So uh, there obviously was a relationship. We hear about this in First Kings to this point of Tyre, the Sidonians who were great at um, bringing timber. There was a good relationship between these two countries, um, but not a great situation here. So what are your thoughts on these verses? <laughs> I, I was reading this and I, and I thought to myself, um, he just... He just gave him a bunch of swamp land. <laughs> exactly. Like, down here in Florida, that's what we'd call worthless land. You know, it's it's right. swamp, and there's not nothing nothing you can do with it. Uh, and that's yeah. what he that's what he got. He got this worthless land. Um, yeah, I did a little bit of of research on that, uh, looking at that because uh, it's it's land that uh, has been defined as good for nothing. I mean, there's uh-huh. nothing you can do with this land. Um, it's it was also referred to as, as land that was pawned. Uh, it's almost like it's it's used as a as a chip, and then once people get you know onto the land, they realize it's worthless. You know, they try to get rid of it as fast as possible, kind of thing. You know, it's a it's it's and, and people know this. And how dare you give me something like that? You know, um, when when we have gone out of our way to provide you with. Uh, you know, cypress tim- timber and gold and and and, and cedar. What what is this? You're you're giving us um, balsa wood. You know, you're giving, mm-hmm. you're, in return, you're giving us shavings for crying out loud. What's the? You know, it's it's just shavings that lay on the floor compared to what they had given them. It's this wonderful, beautiful wood and 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 support. And so, yeah, this is this is an insult, is what this is. A total insult uh, to hear him. Absolutely. And it, it sounds pretty good because he didn't give him one city. He gave him 20 cities. But if you yeah, give great, if you give a, <laughs> yeah, if you give a man, you know, a, a city of, of growing crops in northern Iowa, well, that's pretty good. That's one city. But if you give 20 swamp uh, swamp cities in Florida, well, that's not as good. And so that's kind of what happened. Now, what's interesting is this, this story just kind of happens and it leaves us. So there's not... A continuation of this, and it tells us later that, um, as far as I know, I've, I've read through this, but it doesn't seem like this comes back to this. So, once again, we see how you know he's a faithful man, but he doesn't. He, there's some signs and symbols here. This might not end well. He might not be treating everyone with integrity, and he might need a well. He might need some repentance in the midst of this. That's kind of how I I read it in the research I had. That this is a small snippet, but it kind of shows us maybe a wider issue. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point that you just made about the integrity part. You know that you know mm-hmm. he said you know you need to walk as your father did with integrity of heart and uprightness. And you look at this situation now, and that's the first thing that you know it's right where your brain goes. Is this is already starting to show signs of not walking upright, not doing as he should to show the integrity that he that he should have toward his neighbor. Okay, mm-hmm. it's 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 okay in the relationship with God. You know, and this should remind us of uh, of the fact too that you know the love that God asks us to show to to Him, you know, we are to show to one another as well. So, um, yeah, we can we can see that things are starting to move in a different direction, both in the warning that God gave just before this, and now, of course, now it's being described. Well, by the way, here's what Solomon's doing now to uh, one of those who uh, have played played a big role. In uh, in in what in the blessing that he's had so far up to this point. So yeah, this is really interesting. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So let's continue on verses fifteen through twenty-two. 
And this is the account of the forced labor that King Solomon drafted to build the house of the Lord and his own house and the Milo and the wall of Jerusalem and Hazar and Megiddo and Gezer. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and captured Gezer and burned it with fire and had killed the Canaanites who lived in the city and had given it a dowry to his daughter Solomon's wife. So Solomon rebuilt Gezer and lower Bethrahan and Baalath and Tamar in the wilderness and the land of Judah. And all the store cities that Solomon had and the cities for his chariots and the cities for his horsemen and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, who were not the people of Israel, their descendants who were left after them in the land, whom the people of Israel were unable to devote to destruction. These Solomon drafted to be slaves, and so they are to this day. But of all the people of Israel, Solomon made no slaves. And there were soldiers, there were his officials, his commanders, his captains, his chariot commanders, and his horsemen. So there's a lot of information there, and maybe some tough questions can arise, but what's the main premise of those verses? Well, there's so much. Yeah, I was going to say there's, there's just a lot of a lot of history here. Um, you know that that uh, you can see that that the Lord's hand was there with them. Uh, still, uh, it, it, you know that that section even starts off that this is the account of the forced labor that King Solomon drafted to build these things, the, all of these wonderful things that uh, he was blessed with by the Lord. Um, and it's and it's interesting that they call it forced labor, and and then you go down and you see who these slaves are who were uh, able to be drafted to be slaves. You know, you you go from forced labor to drafted to be slaves, right. and it's like, um, yeah, it it again. You know, you look at that, and um, I mean, there's just a lot of things that can come to mind, even historically for Israel and anybody that that knew of the past that they had actually been slaves at one time, too. I, you know, I look at this and I wonder, you know, how much of that uh, might have impacted, too, uh, how people saw what Solomon was doing. Um, you know, surely they, they, too, might have understood that. Of course, now, they weren't faithful to God. They were not faithful to the true God. Uh, but at the same time, I uh, can't help but wonder um, how that was viewed by uh, the people of God. And that and that this is a scenario where there's times we can kind of jump around and kind of justify quote slaves because a lot of times you know especially in the New Testament we see them more as like an indentured servant that they owed money and therefore they worked or um, there's sometimes we can kind of jump back and forth and talk about well yeah it, it is a slave but let's talk about what it meant for those days and what that means for us and how do we look at that as Christians above uh, as an American because it's very tough topic but here this kind of appears to me that they had slaves and this was not well well received this was not like oh yeah that's totally fine it seems like another example of maybe solomon's not quite doing what we wish he would be doing is that a fair assessment pastor yeah it could yeah it can be i i'm looking i'm looking at this too because what he does do look at what he does with the people of israel instead of them actually being the builders and the ones who are working to to get Mm -hmm. these things done um they're the ones that are just overseeing they're the soldiers the officials the commanders and um yeah it's really it's really interesting 
uh, to see that they've been elevated um, to the jobs of greatest importance uh, to you know in these in these building projects and here the the slaves uh, become the the nations that right. uh, you know worship false gods around them so yeah, yeah. it's, it's well, an interesting it's an interesting picture it is it really is and it's something we'd have to do a lot more study on um another time so let's finish it off we have about five minutes left 23 through 28 these were the chief officers who were over solomon's work 550 who had charge of the people who carried on the work but pharaoh's daughter uh pharaoh's daughter went up from the city of david to her own house that solomon had built for her then he built the melo Three times a year, Solomon used to offer up burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar that he built to the Lord, making offerings with it before the Lord, so he finished the house. King Solomon built a fleet of ships at Ezion Geber, which is near Eloth, on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent with the fleet his servants, seamen who, seamen who were familiar with the sea together with the servants of Solomon, and they went to Ophir. And brought them their gold, 420 talents, and they brought it to King Solomon. So here just we, we have a lot of information that comes through. Did you find anything on this, I guess, unique amount of information? Well, just the fact that, you know, he's building a very strong nation, a military, and now, now fleet of ships, Um and he continues to get wealthier, and uh, you know he gets all the riches that are brought to him now. Um, I mean, he's he's on top of the world, and you know what's interesting as we move forward, we're going to see is this what changes him? I'm not going to say one way or another because you 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 know your your audience will need to uh, examine that as they're moving forward, but. What kind of an impact is all this having on on Solomon? Because now we're seeing, we're hearing in these verses anyway something of the life of Solomon, and the question comes to to, to mind: you know, is he is this upright? Is this where God wants him to be in relationship to him, to to his people? Um, you know, where is this going? I mean, that's what that's what I see at this point. What's here's an interesting question. I, I, I agree 100. percent An interesting question we got from one of our listeners is in verse 24, and actually it's also in verse 15. It says, "Then he built the Milo or Milo, or however you want to say it." Um, mm-hmm. What is that? Do you know what that is? I, I'm kind of you know, vigorously you know, trying I, to look I, it up. I, I actually, yeah, I actually did look into that, and it's uh, something about a castle. Um, and I don't know if it was built into the wall of Jerusalem because it's interesting because right. it was mentioned alongside the the wall of Jerusalem there, but uh, in the one verse, but in the other verse, it's not mentioned at all. So um, it 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 was a it sounded like it was just a stately place uh, that was a castle like in nature, and that's about all I could find on that. I was I was looking at that myself. Right. And it one one note I see, not in our uh, Lutheran study Bible, but another reference, just talks about uh, that it in Hebrew means the word fill, which kind of makes it not uh, uh, not its own structure necessarily, but part of something else maybe. Yeah, that's, that's another good example of you, our listeners. If you can find information on what is a Milo or a Milli, um, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Um, because the reality is, this is like how I lead Bible study. I don't know about how it is for you, Pastor, but 
Um, I, I spend a, I tried to spend a lot of time on each one of these chapters, but guess what? There's a lot that I miss. And so <laughs> we're here together as a body of Christ looking and seeing what God's word has to say. Um, Right. Pastor, we have about a minute left. As you look at this chapter, how would you summarize it and how it applies to us today? So when you when you look at this chapter, um, you know, it's coming on the heels of everything being built. In fact, the, the, the entire chapter begins that, you know, these things have been built now, that the, the, the house of the Lord, the king's house, um, and now uh, there is this coming back to a covenant, to an agreement, to this promise that, that uh, you know, God wants to establish with, with Solomon. Solomon wants to establish it, too. You can tell it in, the, in his dedication, in his prayers. And now the Lord uh, also tells him, but by the way, if anywhere down the line you happen to turn away from all of this wonderful blessing that I've bestowed upon you, this is what the future is going to hold for you. And that really stands out here. This is the standout mm-hmm. section uh, of this chapter. And it's a, it's a standout section in a sense, too. I said it was prophetic because it's, you know, what, what's coming ahead is definitely going to reach back to those words. Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida, helping us put on our Christ goggles in 1 Kings chapter 9. Pastor Dieterding, thank you again for being our guest. It's always a joy, and thanks for having me. God bless. Saints of our Lord, God reminds Solomon of his promises, but he also gives him an if-then scenario that you can fall away. This is why Solomon knows this, and he prays in chapter 8 for the Lord to keep him and to have his heart inclined back to him. We pray the same, but we don't do so to some far-off God that's not near us, but a God who comes to visit us. And then we pray, Lord, keep us steadfast in your word and keep us always near to you. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. And the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. 